Folks, what and all, welcome, welcome, welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm Colin Parker, one of your hosts. Hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> I'm James Anderson, one of your other hosts and the only other host that On you're going to hear today. On this okay. show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, verily scene by scene until the end of time. Jousty wousty. Jousty wousty. Uh, Text James. your buddy. <laughs> Welcome to Timeline Scavengers. Welcome to Thanks. another Eternals pickup episode. Oh, yeah. We are recording this on Sunday, January 16th, 2022 at 12.30 uh-huh. a.m. Uh, uh-huh. So I can feel the kind of like, it's late energy hitting me it feels good yeah um so we're talking like obviously like i just said talking about eternals but this time we're doing a little bit of a flash forward yeah well flashback contextually but i mean yeah from the last time we heard from the eternals we're flashing forward nearly five thousand years we are yep. now in 575 bce uh in, and th- yeah yep oh i was just gonna say we flashed back past uh mayan man Yes, we, we did. We flashback past the uh, the battle with Ma- uh, Malakath, mm-hmm. and um, we started. We're catching it right in the middle of uh, of uh, Wakanda, sort of going away from the world for a little bit. Absolutely, uh, for a little bit, meaning a couple thousand years. Um, yeah. So I, I guess in the grand scheme of things, not a lot of time, really. Not right? a lot of time, right? So we are going to be starting our video players at twenty minutes and twenty three seconds. And going until 21 minutes and 51 seconds. The scene starts off as such. Deviants running amok. They're running rampant as the Eternals fight them and then also are, you know, simultaneously saving humans. Mm-hmm. Makari is just speeding people away as Kingo, Thena, and Icarus are seen fighting the Deviants. Thena kills one, to which Kingo yells out, Hey, that one was mine! Oh, never mind! As he quickly has to shift his attention to another Deviant, who is, like, already all up on his grill. Um, Icarus saves a small Babylonian girl, while Makari goes absolutely apeshit on a Deviant, which I just love to see. Yeah. And then in Babylonian, he tells the girl, Do not fear. We then hear Gilgamesh yelling in Babylonian, Quickly, inside the gate! Gilgamesh gets punchy with the big deviant until it knocks him away. Makari does a cool little catch and bring him back. Uh, kind of like they're playing a little game of fetch and brings him back uh-huh. as Icarus lays waste to said big deviant, the big boy. Uh, Kingo blasts it and Gilgamesh gives Thena a lift for her to land on top and cut off its horns, which I'm not really sure how effective that really is for like killing it, but I'm sure it makes sure. it less dangerous for them. Right. Makes it less horny. Oh, James. Stop. Am I Uh, wrong, though? No, you're right. Uh, (laughs) They say, bonk, horny jail for you. Uh, (laughs) And uh, then there's some very cool team combo moves that happen sort of back to back uh, with different folks teaming up. And I just feel like that's cool shit. It feels very video game like in a way Mm -hmm. where it's just like you're landing different types of combos by like switching out who's in the field for a brief second. Icarus feels like a Sega Genesis character. And I never realized that it's what it is, but it's absolutely that. Um, Which character? Uh, I like in a like uh, Marvel versus Capcom. Oh I know God! Yes. Sega Genesis, but like, like where it's like, and then this guy you're flies right. and shoots laser out of his eyes, and you're like, well, why didn't I pick him? Why did I pick? It would also Karun it would also Patel. be like you would put Gilgamesh <laughs> out, and then like when you use the special ability, 
Makari would run out, do something, and lay it so he yeah. can fly in, zap, and then goes away. You're like, but wait, why can't I play as him? Why yeah, is that exactly. just the special? Right. Bring him out. And everyone's like, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's got the one. It's move. That's DLC. It. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, the DLC on this is that uh, what happens is, is the guy stands up and Gilgamesh just punches the shit out of him, lays him out. And then he has the DLC, so it gives him an extra life. He stands up and Gilgamesh does this like, I don't know how to describe this, but he just palms it. And I like he it's like he's dribbling a basketball in a way. Yeah. But like really hard, and he does it just once, and so he lays it out a second time, and this time it's done. There's there's words for the kind of slap that it is that I would not care to use. There's two I'm thinking of, but I don't want to use them. But see, that's interesting because I don't think it's what you're. I don't think it's the B one, right? Because right? it, it's a because it's a it's a yeah or the P because I believe it's just a full downward motion. Yeah, I don't think it's like backhand. I think it's like. No, As he definitely he's, like, yeah, get like he's swatting a fly. He swats yeah, it's, it. I thought he goes like boom down. I thought it was like straight down. I I might have to rewatch that scene again. Yeah. Either way, he lays the thing out, and the with that last deviant down for the count, we get a really cool superhero team pose outside the gates, which is like so gratuitous. It's like yeah. this one's for the trailer. <laughs> Someone draw this. Someone draw this. I do think it actually was in the trailer. Now that I think about it. Um, because it's a thing where it's like, you see three people walking up and then Icarus just sort of like floats in and then Makari does that and she's just there, you know? Um, but that's the scene and they're outside the gates. But James, you might be saying to me, what are the gates that we're talking about? Yeah. What what are we talking about? Well, we're talking, no, we're talking about the Ishtar gate. This is fun. And it's great because it was literally just built James. I mean, literally like. Probably within maybe days, even like the the uh, Empire State Building in 1931. It was like <laughs> it was fresh. Yeah, the, James, the you're getting ahead of wet. everybody. You're getting ahead of everybody, <laughs> and you you got to be stopped. This is dangerous. Where you have the future past knowledge. Um, time is weird. Time is weird. Uh, <laughs> so the Ishtar Gate was constructed by the Babylonian King Nebuchadnezzar II, circa 575 BCE. Mm. James. When I said it was fresh. Months ago. Months ago. Which is also probably so conflicting. Not conflicting, but like, they're like, we just completed it. And then immediately Gilgamesh puts a deviant through the brickwork. And they're like, we just put that wall up. Come on, dude. Do we do we get a warranty on this? Yeah. We did. Okay, good. You know, someone was finished. Like, they had just finished packing up all like the mortar and bricks. Turned around, <laughs> saw that, and they're like... Unpack it. <laughs> it, it. It was the eighth gate of the city of Babylon, which is present in present day, rather, is Iraq, um, mm-hmm. and was the main entrance into the city. The Ishtar Gate was part of Nebuchadnezzar's plan to beautify his empire's capital, and during the first half of the 6th century BCE, he also restored the temple of, I believe it's Marduk, or Marduk, maybe? Marduk, I think, yeah. Um, and built the renowned wonder, the Hanging Gardens, as part of this plan. Oh, yeah, um, Hanging Gardens of Babylon, yeah, seven, those, one of the seven wonders of the world. Yeah, they're fantastic. They look great. Uh, and the magnificence of the Ishtar Gate was also so well known that it made the initial list of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It Ooh. was later replaced <coughs> by the Lighthouse of Alexandria. Um, it's a good lighthouse. What what I say? No, no, I said it's a good lighthouse. Oh, sorry. I thought you were correcting me. I was like, what did I call it? No, nope. <laughs> you perfect, perfect. Great. Um 
Although some authors uh, have actually written that the gates of Ishtar and the walls of Babylon should still be considered one of the wonders, like just sort of as one whole thing. Mm. Um, and I do think that that's true because I was kind of thinking at one point, surely it wasn't like this blue. And I don't know why I thought that, but in my head I was like, how do you paint something? Like there's no, you know, God, what is that paint company? Williams something? Yeah, um, Sherwin-Williams. Sherwin, yeah, there's no Sher Sherwin-Williams that you can just run down the the street and get, you know, paint like that. Like, that was... It's Cree you know, blood. Yeah, oh, James, you may have you may have figured it out. Uh, because it is like every artist depiction is actually quite literally, as far as like what it looked like back then. Yeah. Right? Their rendering for it is like literally exactly what we see in this movie. Yeah. So, uh, and like these are all things that were made before the movie came out. So it's not like people were like... I saw that movie from the Marvel people and they said it looked like this. So I think it looks like this. Right. So they're, they're also once again, just historically accurate, apparently. Yep. Um, I want to give just a tiny bit more, uh, cool background on it because there's a couple little things here that I just find interesting. So you, when you have the Ishtar gate and the deities, uh, it's named so because it was dedicated to the Babylonian goddess Ishtar. Um, Although you can see some various animal representations throughout like the gates and like the walls and like the, the artwork basically. So that Nebuchadnezzar could also pay homage to other deities. And I'm guessing it's also kind of like, um, you know, hedging your bets a little bit. That's like, <laughs> if Ishtar doesn't keep us safe, perhaps right. this is enough that some of these other folks will you know, keep us safe. Um, so on the gate, you have young bulls, you have lions and dragons. Uh, and these are symbolic of deities like lions are also often associated with Ishtar bulls with, I believe it's Adad dragons okay. with Marduk Marduk. Um, yeah. respectively, Ishtar was also a goddess of fertility, love, war, and sex, which boy, what a, what a grouping there, huh? America. Um, <laughs> if you're not having war when you're having sex, or sex not, if you're not having sex when you're having war. Then and you're I'm doing something win. wrong. Yeah. Uh, and anyway, actually, I probably should cut that because we've gotten in there's trouble the for that. TikTok, uh, <laughs> Yo, God, There's the TikTok. Yo, God. There's the TikTok sound. <laughs> that's the sound that's going to go viral for our show. Oh, boy. Um, Adad was a weather this? god. And Marduk was the chief or national god of Babylon. So hmm. kind of wild that you have the chief god um, and you didn't make the gates for him. Yeah. You know? Kind of goes to show that sometimes people just sort of simp, I guess, even for goddesses. Um, kind of wild to it, think about. Um, just real quick, uh, a yeah. uh, an anagram for Ishtar is Trisha. That's oh. all I've been able to think about for about 35, 40 seconds. So. Oh, cool. That's good. Um, uh, might might be time to, you know, once again, appropriate something. Um, so anyway, the, the front of the gate is adorned <laughs> with glazed bricks with alternating Ooh. rows of dragons and bulls. Which again shows how delicate and ornate this whole thing is. Um, the beasts are furnished in yellow and brown tiles, while the bricks surrounding them are blue, uh, and that's where all that huge blue hue kind of comes from. Yeah, uh, that we see in the movie. Rather, the blue enamel tiles are also. So there's also I forgot about that. There's also tiles that are also blue, which I'm not right. sure which is which. Like which part of the gate is that? Um, that one's a little harder for me to kind of dictate here, um, sure. at least verbally. Um, but the blue enameled tiles are thought to be of lapis lazuli. Ooh, yeah, um, I love that. Love which is flower. cool. Yeah. And yeah. also love a good uh, Minecraft thing, something that I could find and may, sure. you know, maybe I could remake. Um, yeah. 
And in fact, I did at one point when I was looking this up, I did actually find, I should try and find this picture again. I'm pretty sure I found someone who remade it in Minecraft, I think at one point, which is very funny to me now that I've made that joke, but who made anyway. the gates of Babylon? I think so. Yeah. That's hilarious. I mean, it's not as ornate, but I mean like, sure. you know, you can't get that much detail there, but I believe they just mined a, sh uh, a crap load of, well, I can cuss on my own podcast. What I'm talking about. They just mined the shit out of lapis lazuli and we're just <laughs> like putting blocks of it up. Anyway. Um, the final thing I'm going to specify about this, I think is that, um, through the gatehouse is the processional way. So kind of like where, like after they got through the gate that we saw, they would continue through and the walls are adorned with over 120 sculptural lions, flowers, and enameled yellow tiles. Um, oh, sorry. I also forgot to say that there's a brick paved corridor that is about half a mile long with mm. walls that are 50 feet tall. Oof. So yeah, pretty, pretty good, uh, pretty good coverage there. Yeah, that is wild. And uh, the processional way was used for their New York. Nope. <laughs> the <laughs> processional New way <laughs> was used for the New Year's celebration. Uh, and the uh, statues of the deities would parade down uh, and the path paved with red and yellow stones. Um, and then each of the stones has an inscription underneath a small prayer from King Nebuchadnezzar to the chief God. Um, mm. And the processional way that also led to the temple as well. So, you know, very religious, very high end, very cool. You know, okay, I, I lied. I'm going to give one final, one final note. There is also a dedication plaque on the Ishtar gate uh, mm. written from Nebuchadnezzar's point of view that explains the gate's purpose and describes it in detail, um, which was obviously written after the fact. Um, but I think it's kind of cool that people were like, hey, when we give more details on this, should we write yeah. this from a modern sense? Everyone's like, no. I really want to do some role play. So I would like to write this from his perspective. <laughs> right. So King of Babylon, the faithful prince appointed by the will of Marduk, Marduk, highest of princely princes, beloved of Naboo, uh, not that one, but this one of prudent counsel who has learned to embrace wisdom, who fathomed their divine being and reveres their majesty, the untiring governor who always takes to heart the care of the cult of Esagila, I think maybe E-S-A-G-I-L-A harder to pronounce off the top of the head. Esagila, maybe. And Azida, Ezida, one of the two. And it is constantly concerned with the well-being of Babylon and Borsippa, the wise, the humble, the caretaker of the two previous mentioned gods, and the firstborn son of Nabopol... Oh gosh. Nabopolassar. Nabopolassar. Polisar, Pol Polasar. Wow, that was hard. The king of Babylon. Take king. that, Daenerys Targaryen. You think your name's long? I want to point out that was all one sentence. Yeah, yeah. That's well, all. That was even just that was that guy. This is this guy. This is his I, accolades. Yeah. I'm John. Etc. 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 Yeah. So uh, both gate entrances of Imgur Elil and uh, Nemeti Elil, following the filling of the street from Babylon had become increasingly lower. Therefore, I pulled down these gates and laid their foundations at the water table with asphalt, bricks, and made them of bricks with blue stone on which wonderful bulls and dragons were depicted. I mm. covered their roofs by laying majestic cedars lengthwise over them. I hung doors of cedar adorned with bronze at all the gate openings. I placed wild bulls and ferocious dragons in the gateways and thus adorned them with luxurious splendor so that people might gaze on them in wonder. 
I let the temple of, oh my God. Okay, hang on. Asisker Sisker. Okay. Yes, I think I got that. Um, it's E-S-I-S-K-U-R-S-I-S-K-U-R. Yeah, Asisker. Sisker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, the highest festival house of Marduk. The Lord of the Gods, a place of joy and celebration for the major and minor gods, be built firm like a mountain in the precinct of Babylon of asphalt and fired bricks. So that's that's all that I'll read about that. But I mean, it's a really cool place. I mean, it's huge. Babylon yeah. was giant. I mean, yep. we see it for a brief moment in in this scene, and we'll see more of Babylon later. But yeah, Babylon, she big. Yep, she a big city. Absolutely. Absolutely. New York, eat your heart out. So, yeah. you know. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know why I'm instigating New York. New York's not even around yet. <laughs> Old the, York isn't even around. Yeah, so true. Uh, I mean, obviously it is in our time, James, but not in there. Right. Anyway, time is in, weird. So the future in the past. Yeah. Uh, that was all that I have, though, for this episode. Can I can I do uh, give two addenda that I found in my research for, for my episodes? Absolutely. My goodness. Um. In the trivia for uh, for the show, uh, I looked to see if there was anything um, that I missed. And it says, at Babylon, Gilgamesh fights a, a deviant in the form of a bull. Um, and Gilgamesh's myth has him fight the bull of heaven. So that you know is what? a reference to... I had forgotten to write that down. Uh, but you know what? I actually read that same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I love that. It's like a... Yes, I was like, I why is this that. a bull? And it's like, because it's Gilgamesh. Because I think it's very much like, you know how like they were talking about like, well, again, this is getting ahead of ourselves. But when someone calls Thena on accident, Athena, and she's like, not yeah. doing that mistake again. Right? Yeah. So I love that like they're clearly showing that like that's where all these myths come from is actually just them. So yeah. Yeah. love that. And then uh, if we can return to our, uh, to our old friend, Dr. Martin Worthington. Did you write to um, him again? I didn't, but uh, oh. the article that I talked about before um, oh, okay. cool. is uh, about, it says, uh, the first major film to feature characters speaking Babylonian, a language that died out more than 2,000 years ago, needed an expert to provide written translations and audio recordings the actors could use for their performance. Enter Trinity wow. College Dublin's Dr. Martin Worthington, an Assyriologist and author of the book, Teach Yourself Complete Babylonian. He says, <laughs> I was completely surprised. I think in the first instance that there was an email that was quite coy and that there was a project involving my field of expertise. From there, he became involved with the film that was initially identified by the by only by the secret name. Do you know what the code name for? Sack Lunch. Sack Lunch. That's right. Uh, starring Irishman Barry Keoghan. <laughs> <laughs> alongside oh, Angelina Jolie, Gemma Chan, and Salma <laughs> Hayek. Oh, but so he says, I'd done a bit of work in this area God. in terms of translation. He said, one project I did for trans did the translation for and forgot all about it. It was only when the film came out, I saw it was the latest Godzilla film. I actually saw it on a plane and saw my name in the credit at the end. So that's wild. He, he also is credited for like music supervisor because there's a Babylonian song in in Godzilla, like the 2018 one or, or the one that has um like half of the mcu in yeah yeah yeah, that one yeah um so yeah that's funny uh that is uh our guy dr martin worthington um awesome friend of the podcast friend of the podcast he's the this this is the first major motion picture to feature 
lines in Babylonian, and it is because of Dr. Martin Worthington of Trinity College Dublin that he that we have that. Yeah, so th- I thought that was very cool to find that he like he was like they couldn't have had the scenes that you're talking about where you know Gilgamesh yeah. yells in. Oh, they also talked about um, hold on. Translations for everyday phrases such as thank you and wait a moment that are common in modern languages were tricky enough, given our understanding of Babylonian comes from written and mostly quite formal documents and clad tablets from the period. See earlier in this episode when Colin read the basically the contract law at the, on the gates. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the party of the first language that I yeah. was like, yeah. wow, oh, <laughs> exactly. I barely speak English and that's my main language. So and this says, is going to be interesting. He said it was the challenge of broken utterances. A character might shout through the gate in English. We know how to do these broken utterances and what they mean. It's an instinct. Babylonian sources talk in complete sentences. So it's a bit more of a challenge. The Babylonians had a religion, but they don't have a word for religion. Same with economy. The film has had a sense that mentions myths and legends, and they don't have words for that either. <laughs> I was okay. sitting there thinking, what we should, what should we do with this? So it was enjoyable in that way. Yeah, I said, I got me to think quite deeply about the language. It was a fascinating project to work on that had me weaving my way through so many sources. I learned a lot in doing it. That is such a James sentence. I want to point out <laughs> that, know. like, wow, wow, you said that, and I was like, I know that's supposed to be Martin, but I feel like James wrote that sentence. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, and specifically see, saying. A delightful amount of sources or whatever it was <laughs> yeah. like that's such oh god i that's the sort of thing where i'm like hey i did look up two things on google for my research for this episode and james was like great i have 12 books and three articles and you're like and it was wonderful and i'm like oh god should i be going to my local library for these episodes what yeah, am but, I doing? Uh, but in actuality picture what i did for for dr martin worthington for the sumerian thing i was like yeah. hi i'm on a podcast i've wikipedia this and then i remember there was a c and that's it am i right and he was like yeah and i'm like i'm an assyriologist no, but it's also cool, though, because, like, to him, I'm sure, it's like, how often do you get, like, outside recognition yeah. for that sort of thing? And then have someone come in and be like, hey, you did this thing, right? And, like, is this what this means? Or, like, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. that's exactly it. I mean, not to toot my well, own horn, but I do feel like it's kind of like when we interviewed Eric Barton, and I was like, hey, I could be wrong, but is that this thing here? Is that this? And Eric was like, no, yeah, you you nailed it. Exactly. You got exactly what we were going for. I was like... Yeah, validation for you, validation for me. And that's how you are right now. I'm also pretty certain now that I think about it, that this episode is going to come up before the Eric Martin interview. Yep. So that's going to be fun. One time Good I was, uh, Billy Corgan was doing a, an AMA on Facebook and I asked a question that wasn't a question, more of a statement, uh, which is fun. It was the, basically the only time I did it. But he was like, yeah, that's pretty much my thinking on it. And I was like, yep, I got yes. that. So Billy Billy Corgan just said B-Brain to me, and I don't even know what that is yet, because that's 12 years in the future, but uh, that's the third example. Yeah, I was going to say, I think this is a good time to move on to social media, because... Um, speaking, you know, hey, speaking of writing we, letters and getting we, in contact... We've padded the episode, yeah, so let's get to the, let's get to the good stuff. Yeah, um, if you wanted to write us a letter to tell us about our... to talk to us about our process, yep. um, you could uh, tweet at us at TimelineScav, um, you could uh, also tweet our network, the Scavengers Network, at ScavengersNet. Um, if you're kind of feeling nervous and you want to kind of go through a middle a middleman, the network is a good place to, to go for that. Uh, or you can uh, tweet us directly. I am at Unabashed James. And Colin, where are you? I am at Colin M. Parker. Oof, the 
the boldness with which you say that, the just the, the pure virility. If you want, speaking of pure virility, we have a the composer of the intro and outro music is named Nick Bermald, and uh, you can find him on Twitter as well. Um, he is at N-B-R-A-M-A-L-D. And uh, you can also find him on his website, nickbermaldcomposer.co.uk. So that is going to, I think, do it for this show. I'm very excited to talk to you. We're in Babylon for a little bit. So we're going to do yep. a, a number of pickup episodes with uh, Babylon and with some pretty historical guests. Oh. Did he tease something? I think he did. I think he did. Um, but for now, that's going to do it. Uh, I am and have been and will be James Anderson. I have been and am. Might change it up in the future. We'll find out. Uh, oh, nice. Colin M. Parker. Uh, this has been Timeline Scavengers. And uh, all we have to do left at this time is say, I, James Anderson, who was born in Colorado and then moved to Nebraska and then moved to Annapolis and then moved to Sterling and then moved to Harrisonburg, then Leesburg. And I am friends with Colin, who I met on Facebook. And then we started doing a show together called Timeline Scavengers. And on that show, we end the episodes by saying Excelsior. Put that on the gate. (laughs) Okay, that's good. Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.